Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Brilliance Security Podcast. Hello, my name is Steve Bocut, and I am an editor for Brilliance Security Magazine. Brilliance is an online digital publication dedicated to the security industry. Our mission, and thus our name, is to illuminate the intersection of physical and cybersecurity. We cover both of these security domains by publishing original content about threats, hacks, products, and security strategies. We hope you will enjoy this podcast and visit us at brilliancesecuritymagazine.com. Welcome to the Brilliant Security Magazine podcast, and thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your listening. Today, I'm excited about today's show. Today, our guest is Daniel Barber. Daniel is the co-founder of a company called DataGrail, and DataGrail is a privacy platform. So what we want to talk about today is respecting people's data. And so I think Daniel is an excellent guest for that topic, and I'm glad he was able to join us. Before he comes in, let me uh, tell you a little bit about Daniel. Prior to DataGrail, uh, Daniel led revenue teams at several data products companies, spending much of his career working with data products and third-party apps. Daniel grew increasingly disturbed by the volume of personal information collected and how that data was used by the brands entrusted to keep it safe. He built DataGrail in response, believing that privacy is a human right. Daniel has uh, become a, a leading voice on data privacy with his perspective regularly featured in outlets like TechCrunch, VentureBeat, USA Today, Fast Company, Fortune, and CNBC. With that, uh, welcome, Daniel. Thank you so much for uh, for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to uh, spend a bit of time together. All right. I'm looking forward to this. This whole data privacy thing is just it's such a fascinating topic to me. Uh, and I know that it's something that, that a lot of people are interested in and maybe, quite frankly, quite frustrated with where we're at in the in, in the world today with our data and, and what's happening to it and that kind of thing. So hopefully we'll be able to, to cover a lot of those uh, interesting topics. So, but let's start with a little bit about DataGrail. So give our audience an idea of DataGrail, who you are, what you do, any, anything like that that they need to know. Yeah, so I think your um, your entry there is is beautiful in, in its uh, assistance of what is DataGrail. We've entered um, really like this trust crisis, and we see this where people are probably quite frustrated with how you know, businesses are sharing, using, processing their personal information, or even governments are, are using their information. And we saw that, um, you know, coming into market in 2018. And so founded a company to help businesses deliver on their commitment to being transparent with us about how they're using um, our information. And so, um, yeah, the company was founded in, in mid-2018. Uh, we're now about 110 folks um, across 27 states and Canada, uh, and um, yeah, we we're you know thrilled to support companies like Salesforce, Instacart, Overstock, and many of the the common consumer brands that you might work with, um, or even you know television shows like WWE leverage the DataGrail platform to manage their privacy program and provide the transparency that you and I expect today. Excellent. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
So there's this there's this idea of trust through transparency that I know um, that you're kind of big on this idea. So maybe you could talk about that for a little bit and explain what that means in context of a, a data-driven organization and why you believe that it's so important. Yeah, I mean, I think at this stage, right, if we take a step back and look at a company, um, you know, most businesses, almost all businesses will have some form of website. Um, and at this point, right, um, when when you operate a website, the website's real sole purpose is to collect your information. That's that's kind of why you, you set up a website, right? Whether right. it's collecting an email address or collecting a cookie, the company that operates the website is going to try to collect your information. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, businesses have now got to a point where they are collecting a significant amount of your information and maybe without your knowledge. And so you know, consumers ultimately are generally comfortable with how businesses use their information if they understand why that information mm. is being used, right? So a couple of examples, you know, if you think about Netflix, right? Um, we use Netflix today in different streaming services. And when you go to Netflix, you're given recommendations based on your previous viewing history. Now, those recommendations are clearly based on their tracking, what you're watching and where you're clicking and spending time. You want those recommendations. I want those recommendations too. But I would also love to understand how they're using that data in other ways in their business. And I think that's a common expectation that we've now arrived in, um, which is that you and I expect transparency about how businesses are using that information because it is ultimately our information. And it is a right that we deserve to understand what that information is being used for. Excellent. I love the way you've described that. And I know that for most of us, uh, I assume many people are like I am, that I become suspicious of organizations. I know they're collecting my data. And I appreciate, I mean, I, I love it when Kindle says, look, you might like to read you this. You should read this you, book. It's great. Perfect, right? I never would have known about that book if Kindle right. didn't tell me that I might enjoy right. it. And it's based on my previous reading history. So exactly. many times it's something I do want to read. But but what happens if I'm uh, I'm an avid motorcyclist? So if I'm on the website looking at a new motorcycle, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm flooded with ads about motorcycles, that to me is irritating, and it makes me suspicious of the website that I first went to. And I I think it's important that that organizations understand that that consumers I think are are aware enough of how this works that they know essentially who's selling their data, um, and and it can be frustrating. Yeah, and I, I think that, uh, yes, I think that many do know where the information is being sold, but I think there are there are areas that you may not think about, right? When you visit a, a petrol station, and I should rephrase as gas station in, yeah. in, in, in the US, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, uh, when you visit that gas station and you, you visit the shell and there's a, an option to save five cents if you provide your phone number, mm. where does that information go, right? So- there are many instances where you may provide your information in exchange for some form of value. Usually those have some connection to sale of that information being transferred somewhere else. And so I think we've got to a point where businesses um, see value in that exchange. Consumers do too. They just need to know how it's happening and why it's happening. And if, if that transparency is provided, that significantly increase, increases the trust that a right. consumer will have with that business because they feel comfortable with that exchange. 
Right. Exactly. That's true. If I know you're going to do something with my, my information and that happens, I'm not upset. But if I don't know what you're going to do with my information and something else happens, then I, then I could very well be upset. So what are some, what are some things that organizations can do around this transparency idea um, to help consumers uh, or, or users know what's happening with their data? Yeah, so I think there's there's a lot of things they can do. Um, obviously, the the obvious one is um, you know updating your privacy policy to reflect what types of activities are you doing with individuals' information, right? right. So that is the public policy that people can go read. The challenge is, is that of course, that document is pretty lengthy, and most yeah. people won't read it, right? And exactly. So, um, yeah. Phrasing it in a way that's legible for you know the common lay person who may not have a, a legal degree, right? So that they can understand what they're reading. So that that I think is is a step that's important. But the challenge with that step, and this is where you know we see a lot of businesses struggle, they may actually not know the types of systems and the people that are interacting with those systems to process your data and mine. And this is the result of just businesses expanding and investing in different software solutions to the extent that they may not actually know where that data is going, who is it being transferred with. Um, and that's very common. Um, businesses get to a stage where there's just too many applications and you know the marketing team or the customer support team are investing in more technology to advance their, you know, their goals. Um, and that results in the business doesn't actually know. So there's the front facing, um, you know, policy or document to guide the consumer, you and I, on what type of information is being used. But that can really only be completed when the business is actually aware of how it's using the information that it has collected on you and I in the first place. So really the, the latter needs to be completed first before that policy has any meaningful value on you know being transparent. So it sounds like you would suggest that the first step that an organization needs to take is just find out what they are actually doing with with information that they gather. Where's it all going? And and I know that could be a, that could be difficult. And I guess at some point you're. It seems like at some point they may not be responsible anymore. So if if I if I collect users data and and I exchange it with a business partner. Now I don't I can't regulate or even know what that business partner is going to do with the data, right? I mean it can go and on and on and on from there. So is there That's right. Uh, it seems yeah, like it so be, once it gets away from originally who collects it, how do you even manage that? That's right. And so, you know, we've we've seen this. Um so there are now businesses and I'm sure you're familiar with them, companies like Okta, One Login, Forge Rock, um, Ping Identity that are established to help organizations protect and secure the applications that are in use by the employees, right? Mm -hmm. And those applications, even for example, this one, Zoom, are collecting personal information and so should be secured when employees are logging in. The reality, unfortunately, is that that is not a comprehensive list of the types of applications that are in use in a business. In fact, you know, our data suggests that the average Okta customer who has purchased Okta to secure the applications that are in use, um, if they've been using Okta for about four years, so it's well deployed, um, on average, they're using about 196 applications to run their business, right? Mm -hmm. But the, the, here's the caveat. 
Um, if you look at um, the data from Netscope, so Netscope is a service that is used to um, look at the uh, transactional data on the network to suggest what types of applications are in use in a business. It has many other areas of value, but that's one of the areas. Uh, their data suggests that an organization between 500 and 2,000 employees uses over 1,500 distinct applications. Mm. So if you back into that, right, where is Stephen's information in those 1,500 applications? The business has no idea. Right. Yeah, interesting. And now another layer of complexity, of course, is um, – Compliance. So there, we're, we're seeing more and more rules and regulations and laws um, pop up, and and you know discussion about the need for more regulation. Um, and I hate to see that actually, because I mean that was kind of, I guess I'm old enough to have been around when the internet first was we be taking off, and that was the whole idea behind the internet. It was going to be this free and open space, and we found unfortunately that we just need to keep pinning it down and and making more rules and regulations to surround how it's used because people misuse it. And, that, and that's unfortunate, but um, how, do, how do organizations avoid some, some of these legal issues that that are involved with, with data and what they do with it? Yeah. I mean, so if you take a step back, right. And you say, well, governments are stepping in to create some form of enforcement um, and, you know, regulation to um, promote the, the, the proper use of personal information and your data and mine. Why does that happen? Well, regulations are actually just in response to constituents' expectations. Right. Right. So you and I have expectations around our data use and we vote. Right. And that's why states move forward to put regulation in place. So Actually, the regulation is just a response to your expectations as an individual. And you indicated that actually as we started our show today, right? That you were, you know, sometimes a little frustrated, right? That reflects what we're seeing in the community and across the United States with, you know, multiple states moving forward with their own regulation because people do expect privacy as a human right. Um, and so that's that's really reflecting now in, in regulations that governments are moving forward with. The compliance of those regulations is an aspect and a, an area that businesses need to adhere to. Um, however, the reality is that's actually the exhaust of the process, right? So everything we described of trying to understand the use of those 1,500 applications and what are they doing, that needs to happen before you can even discuss the topic of compliance. Because if you haven't actually done the activity, the compliance has no meaning. Right. Yeah. It, and that's fascinating. So from your perspective, uh, it'd be interesting to know, do you see this, do you see a proliferation of more laws and you know, compliance issues? Uh, you know, it seems to be growing from my you know, perspective, yeah, yeah, yeah. but is that what yep. you see? There's going to be more restrictions. And, and it seems to be, as you kind of alluded to, because we can't, as it, as all kinds of industries, we can't seem to self-regulate, right? Um, if we could self-regulate, there wouldn't the constituents wouldn't be, you know, calling for more um, more laws and regulations. Um, 
which is which is unfortunate. But do you you see that it'll probably continue to grow? It definitely will. I think what's probably most interesting, right? So we see the volume of individuals that make um, requests to businesses to delete their data or ask mm. for a copy of their data. So that volume, um, we have data on that and we've been doing benchmarking on that for now three years. Um, the report we put out this year uh, came out with an interesting stat. And that was, if we look at all of the states that we see people submitting these incoming requests to businesses, 52% of the volume that we see is actually coming from non-protected states. So what does that mean? It means states that don't have any legal recourse, right? There is no regulation in you know, the state of Montana today around privacy. And so therefore, if people are submitting in Montana, the business has no legal obligation to actually delete their information technically, but our customers are. And what that tells you is that actually, it's actually more about the brand and the business adhering to the brand expectation of its consumer. And so actually, if done correctly, brands will self-regulate because the downside of losing that trust with the consumer is greater than the investment in ensuring it's established. Interesting. And I, I want to talk about some of these brands that are doing it right. Uh, before we get there, what what keeps other companies from doing it right? So what what are the significant barriers that companies face when, when trying to be transparent about the, their data usage? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the the challenge that we um, we see across a lot of organizations. One, it's a people challenge, right? So this is a new organizational problem, um, mm -hmm. relatively new, right? And you've got it's it requires collaboration across multiple functions. So you know who owns the policy on a website today that indicates the use of data? Well, it's probably a legal policy, so it lives within the legal department. And so, you know, ultimately that would fall into the general counsel or chief legal officer's purview and responsibility at the, the ultimate level. Um, but then who owns the protection of your data and mine in an organization? Well, that's probably the security department, right? So the information security department, and that is the responsibility of the, the security team to protect the personal information and information of you and I. So that's why we're having this conversation. But the reality is those two groups need to work together. And so have they worked together in this way in the past? Probably not, right? That's a new discipline. And so privacy is a relatively new discipline and requires interdepartmental you know, coordination to actually get to a conclusion. So I think that's a, that's a key problem that we see. Um, I think the other is that you know, there is a, a challenge in the business and that is you know, marketing teams, customer support teams, sales teams, different organizational units will invest and continue to invest more and more and more in technology, which is great for advancing the business, may mean that the complexity around how your information is being used just increases year over year. And so this just makes the job more challenging next year than less challenging. So it, it's not getting easier, unfortunately, um, however, you know, we are um, seeing increased investment in solutions like DataGrow and we're, we're doing well as a company. And so that, you know, our goal is to help businesses with the two areas that I just described.
Yeah, interesting. All right, so now let's talk about some of these brands that are doing it right. So do you have some case studies of companies that, that have successfully built trust through transparency and that you've seen? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, two examples that come to mind. Um, so Salesforce is a company that is uh, very established, very uh, respected in the industry um, across, across the technology sector. Um, they invested um, pretty early in DataGrail. Um, and, you know, I think trust permeates throughout their organization. And, you know, it really extends beyond just how the business uses our information. It actually relates to how they make decisions and think about, you know, their organization at its core. And I think that extends then naturally into the field of privacy. So they have a strong desire to be transparent with how they're using our information. Um, the other one would be overstock.com. Um, I think they are, uh, you know, expanding their operations and have been doing quite well. Um, and they also have the desire to ensure that people are um, aware of how their data is being used um, when they make a purchase or perhaps they're evaluating a purchase. And so I think, you know, those two organizations come to mind that have invested early and um, we see as, um, you know, trying to lead the market in their respective fields. Yeah, that's interesting. And and the thought that comes to me kind of ties back to a comment that you made at, at the top of our conversation here is both of those, and, and I know Salesforce probably a little better um, because I've actually used the product, but both of those are organizations that are highly focused on brand reputation, right? That's they right. they kind of get the idea that you can have the best widget in the world, but if people don't trust you, as an organization, they're not going to, they don't really care how good your widget is. So that's right. Um, so, and, and I think those things go hand in hand because that's what we're trying to do is build trust here, right? So you can that's give right. me your information and I won't misuse that information. That's, that's right. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This has actually been very fascinating for me, but we are about out of time. But I, I want to kind of end with a, an open-ended question. The essence of this question is, what should I have asked that I failed to ask? But the actual question, is there is there anything else that our audience needs to know either about respecting people's data or about uh, data grail? Yeah, I think the the stat that I mentioned about 52% of volume we're seeing coming from, you know, states that are, don't have protection today, um, I would just share that we see that, right? And so, you know, that businesses see that too. And I think, um, you know, we're going to see more regulations over the next, you know, 12 months. We don't have a federal privacy bill in the US. We will at some point and that will follow the GDPR, because, you know, Europe has had protections now for five years, and in fact, even longer. Um, but I but I think that, you know, just being aware that, um, you know, privacy extends beyond the regulation itself and the right businesses, and hopefully the businesses that listeners today are interacting with should be responding to your, um, your requests to understand how businesses are using your information, because that's, that's something that should provide. Um, and we expect that to continue in you know years to come, whether there's regulation or not. All right. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. This has actually been fascinating and very informative. I, I appreciate you being with us today. Great. Enjoyed it too, Stephen. And a big thanks to our listeners for being with us. Please remember to like and subscribe if you find this podcast interesting and join us next time for another episode of the Brilliance Security Magazine podcast. Thank you.